Hello, everybody. Ready. Son of a bitch. Had to fuck with you. Okay. I'll, I'll shut up. I'll stop. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's <laughs> in a top eight, then you're going to knock her out. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls deep portion of the <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. It's like like Mex- Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. I am one of your faithful co-hosts, Patrick. With me today are Jerry. What's up, guys? And uh, Adrian. And you better believe Patrick is faithful. <laughs> Extremely. To a fault. To a fault. And uh, yeah, this is episode number 47. Coming up on 52, guys. Right around the corner. Yeah, yeah that means I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Means the podcast gonna have its first anniversary. Yeah, it's exciting. Probably not gonna do anything special because we're lazy. But I told you, musical, <laughs> musical episode, musical. Episode. <laughs> I'll start. I'll start composing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got jazz guitar up in this bitch. Oh yeah, little known fact: jazz guitar major. <laughs> I, did, I did. You were a jazz guitar major. Oh uh, yep, double major in international relations and jazz guitar. You are just a renaissance man. Holy shit! Uh, hello, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to slap of the bass a little bit back in the slap of the bass. Oh, oh is, that, is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> that's what and they I used to play bass guitar. That's, 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 that's what they call it when they're thirteen. Slapping the bass. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, how you guys doing, man? What have you guys been up to? Oh, nothing here. <laughs> what you been up to, Jerry? Oh, fair amount. I actually got to play in some Legacy at a new LGS yesterday. At a new one? Like a new store opening? Uh, not a new store. Well, they're fairly new, I think. New to you? Yes, new to me. That new store smell. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, yeah, I actually had a pretty good Magic Week, and I played, played Sealed on Sunday because it was Modern Week, and I didn't feel like driving out to play Modern, so I just went to a store in Cambridge, Pandemonium, and played uh, Sealed, and I actually ended up uh, going 3-1 in that, so won a little store credit there. And then uh, on Tuesday, which was yesterday, I went to this new store that someone at Eternal Weekend, or, uh, yeah, yeah, Eternal weekend told me about uh i think it's called gaming tech i'm looking it up right now uh yep gaming gaming t e t c oh gaming um, etc yes uh yes that would make sense <laughs> <laughs> obviously you weren't an english major no no I, hey i'm reading this from like back text from like a week ago <laughs> uh but yeah gaming etc they're in this sto- um little sh- like office complex i want to say in acton it took me forever to find it like, you pull up to it, and you think it's just an office building, and you think your GPS is taking you to the wrong location. <laughs> but I saw the telltale sign of 20-something-year-old bearded, scruffy-looking men carrying backpacks. Oh, our people. <laughs> our people. I'm like, I'm in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I followed him into this back door, and I noticed, like, a, like a printed-out piece of paper just on the shop window. 
just says like gaming gaming etc here and i'm like okay this is a little sketchy but whatever <laughs> so i open the door and it, it's in like a back entrance of an office park so it's just like a like a stereotypical office park stairwell and there's this like door off to the side that i thought was a maintenance cupboard because I started going up the stairs, and then I realized there's this piece of paper on the door that I think is the maintenance cupboard, and it says gaming, eat, uh, etc. through here. And I'm like, okay, this is even more sketchy. And then I open the door, and it's probably the largest LGS by space I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, just a massive store. Like, they could easily seat uh, 100, 150 players. Um, they had an awesome uh, product display, so they had like I, I want to say eight or nine glass cases, all full of every type of staple, from EDH to Legacy to Standard uh, to like foreign foreign foil cards, and you know pretty much any sealed pack you could ask for. They actually had a revised sealed uh, box uh, in the store, so was you not more packs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more packs for me. Um, but. Yeah, I was just not expecting it going into the store, so uh, I had a good time there. I ended up going uh, 3-1 at that, too. It actually ended up coming in second in their legacy event, so nice. not a bad start to it. I, still, uh, mm-hmm. You still rocking aggro loam? No, I had to shelve that. I actually sleeved up uh, Bob's Grixis Delver list. Nice. Oh, oh yeah. So, like, so ra- did half the fucking MTG world. I know, right? Uh, that's why uh, I was talking to him, and he said, uh, run a dark blast over one of the Cabal Therapies for the mirror match, yeah. because they're, they're just such a popular deck now. Yep. You talk about, yeah, he's a trendsetter, man. <laughs> he is, he is. Can you talk about dark blast a little bit? I'm not familiar. Um, so dark blast is, I think, from original Ravnica. It's one black target creature gets minus one, minus one, and then it has dredge three, and it's an instant. So it's important because it's basically a removal spell that gets, um, it gets, uh, young pyromancers, dark confidants, uh, basically everything in elves, uh, that it's just removal that you can just rebuy and rebuy. Every turn that you oh. need a removal spell, you can just have it by dredging. Oh, and nice. if you get really tricksy, you can actually get a two-toughness creature like a Stoneforge Mystic or a Deathrite Shaman. Mm-hmm. It's an instant, so what you can do is upkeep, you Dark Blast the creature you want to kill that has yep. two-toughness, draw step, dredge the Dark Blast, return it to your hand, cast it again, and uh, kill the creature. Nice. So in a pinch, it can also get two-toughness creatures, and pretty much every legacy creature... Um, in the format has two toughness that's of any relevance. Like, you're not going to get a Tarmogoy for a Gurmag Angler, but, I mean, this card isn't really meant to deal with those. You get pretty much every other creature between Delvers and Death Rites and everything. That's pretty slick. Yeah. Uh, round one, I ended up playing Merfolk. It was my only loss of the day. And actually, the person I lost to ended up winning the whole thing. And I definitely understand what Bob was saying about it being a really tough matchup. Um, they just play creatures faster than you can remove them, and all their creatures are unblockable. So that was my only loss of the day. I ended up beating Omni Show. Uh, I beat Caleb playing Lands, which we had a good time. Always a pleasure to play against him. But uh, I was surprised I beat Lands because that's a deck you're just supposed to pretty much scoop to. It's like... 8, 20, 80% uh, in favor of lands, I would say. But I managed to get get that 20%, and I ended up beating uh, Burn. And the store automatically cuts to top four, 
or top eight, depending on the number of players. So we didn't play it out. It just went to tiebreakers to find out the rankings. How was the uh, how was the prize payout? Like the prize support? Oh, it's good. They pay out 100%. So um, they said it was a really small turnout that week. Only 14 people showed up. So I got uh, $40. I ended up picking up some food chains with that. <laughs> um, so grab some some food chains with the, the prize payout. But they say they usually get like 32, 34 players a week. And, you know, the prize payout gets pretty up there. You know, first first place would get like $75 and, you know, down and they pay out to top eight. Nice. What about, um? when does this normally run? Uh, runs every Tuesday at 6.30 at, at, uh, gaming, et cetera, ETC, uh, in Acton, Mass. Nice. Yeah, definitely a good time. I'd recommend, I'm, uh, hopefully going there, going there in the future sometime. Yeah, man. Sounds like a good store. Yeah. What about you guys? Get to play any Legacy? Uh, I did not. It was the, you know, end of the month, so TE runs their normal, uh, their modern tournament on Sunday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I didn't get to play any, uh, any Legacy, um. I did watch a lot of coverage. The uh, SCG Invitational was on, and uh, so they had it was three days, and each day was uh, well. The first two days were like four rounds of Legacy, then four rounds of Standard, which I thought was awesome, um, and then the top eight was uh, Legacy. So, oh, nice! Yeah, it was pretty sick actually. Um, I want to say Grixie Silver took it down. Um, I was trying to look up results, and I couldn't find results. Like as great as as SCG is, like about like putting stuff on Twitch. Like just posting results isn't like their strong suit right after uh, right after their tournament, so um, I haven't been able to find any results in that. But I'm pretty sure Grixis took it down. Yeah, Grixis, Alex, uh, Basecki. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, first was Grixis, second was Bug Delver, third was Grixis, fourth was Miracles, fifth was Esper, uh, running Deathrite Shaman, sixth was Blue Red Delver, seventh was Merfolk, and eighth was Blue Red Delver. It was uh it was pretty cool to see SCG doing like legacy and standard. I would have expected it to be like modern and standard, but it was cool to see them doing legacy. A lot of legacy coverage for the weekend, so that was awesome. Yeah, definitely. And I'm pretty sure Merfolk is the only deck in the top eight not running Dig Through Time. <laughs> yep. I've heard, I've heard a lot of talk about that. Like the new the next uh like ban and restricted is coming up soon, right? In October with uh Rise of the Eldrazi. So, you have any thoughts on that, Jerry? Like, I know people talk about Dig Through Time. You mean, and a, I know. For Zendikar? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Rise of the Eldrazi 2. <laughs> oh, yeah, I totally missed that. I missed that. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, how long have we been doing this, Cass? I mean, this Summer is an old episode. <laughs> Summer of the movie. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm. I know we've talked a little bit about um, Sensei's Divining Top. And it just being boring to watch, but not really like a broken card. Do you think that Dig Through Time is going to get banned? Uh, I feel it's more likely than Sensei's Dividing Top. I mean, Sensei's Dividing Top is the one that they're going to ban, and everyone's going to be like, "Yep, saw that coming." Mm-hmm. Just it's a mat, just waiting for that day. So it's never one that's on the radar that you expect to be banned, but it's just one of those ones that if it gets banned, you're just like, "Yeah, I'm not surprised." Yeah. Um, I think Dig Through Time is really on people's radar right now. Um, we actually had a conversation about this last night at the uh, the Legacy Tournament, and people are saying it's like, well, Wizards had their chance, Stick Through Time's been through two banning cycles already, and they still haven't X'd it, but I just feel it's had its time to grow, and the decks that run Dig Through Time are doing it in the most optimal fashion, and it's just the fact that it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, what do you think the implications are if Dig Through Time goes away? What would 
what would Legacy look like? Because it's been a while, right? Like when Cons released, uh, Legacy got a big shakeup because um, Treasure Cruise was dropped in the format, and then after mm-hmm. that went out, um, obviously people started going to Dictor Time. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Like, do you think Grixis Delver is still going to be a thing? Uh, it was always kind of a thing beforehand. Like, Grixis Delver losing Dictor Time isn't the big deal in the, the biggest deal in the world. The biggest deal is that Grixis Delver is the most popular deck right now because it preys on other Dictor Time decks. Um, it's just a really meta-dependent deck. Uh, I feel getting rid of Dig Through Time gets rid of Grixis Delver's food, so Grixis Delver is going to fall off a bit, but it's not going to outright kill Grixis Delver. What about the... Uh, I mean, here's a, here's a thought. What's your thought about this? If Dig Through Time is banned, Chalice at 1 is not as powerful, because there's a lot of Dig Through Time decks that function on 1-drops to fill the grave, right? Yeah, definitely. I was actually talking to the Merfolk player the other day, and you know how a couple episodes ago we were talking about the Merfolk deck, and we said that it was odd that they were running Chalice? Uh, little did we know that that was just kind of the start of Merfolk adopting to the meta, because that's pretty much a stock list now for Merfolk decks, because of Dig Through Time. Yeah, I mean, so, a, lot, a lot have been playing Chalice over... well. Some were doing it over Curse Catcher, some standstill. were doing it alongside with Curse Catcher. Oh, right. Standstill. Right, I feel, I kind of, I think they settled on all the Merfolk decks I've seen recently who still run Curse Catcher, um, because you can still get it out with Aether Vial, even with a Chalice on one, and also Cavern of Souls. Um, and they, they cut the uh, standstills for the Chalice of the Voids. Um, so I, mean, I think that falls off. I'm fucking excited. What are you excited about? What am I excited about? Yeah. Battle for Zendikar. Oh yeah. Well, the fucking the the pimp ass fetch lands. Yeah. The, um, the, the expedition lands. You mean the unattainable lands? What? <laughs> so the rarity on those is like is just under uh, foil mythic rarity. So they'll I, they'll be out there. Like it's no. not you know. I heard it was slightly more rare than a foil mythic. No, it's it's slightly it's slightly under a foil mythic. Ah, uh, okay. Slightly under slightly under a foil mythic, um, which is obviously you know more rare. You know, a one in nine chance over uh, a regular mythic. I I just wish they had made them textless. I don't know why they had to give it a text box. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I mean, overall, I think they look really nice. They're going to function perfectly fine, and if you if you get them in a sealed pool, you get to play them. And I mean, you won't be able to play them in standard unless the printing is already in standard, but. Um, they're they're pretty sweet. I think uh, there's been a pretty big divide as far as how people feel about them. Some people are like, oh, it's like, you know, it's like Wizards is a, it's a money grab and blah blah blah. And to me, it's like you know, Wizards is trying to do something cool for the players, something they've been asking for. So they do it in a way that won't affect standard. You know, they're trying to to do it in a way that least affects standard, so that there's not. Ten fetches in standard, and people are still bitching and moaning about it. It's unreal, you know. Yeah, I think people saying that it's a money grab have no idea what they're talking about because it's not like Wizards is saying, "Oh, buy three boxes of Zendikar and for twenty five ninety nine you can mail in for your expedition map." <laughs> well, no, you know, they, they had they had fucking like treasure in the original Zendikar, right? Yeah, I think the it's a hard rock. Yeah, the first run you could get, uh, you know, underground seas and the like. They had like, I think they had power in the first one too. They had like mocks yep. in there and stuff. And I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't around when it when they were when it was being played, but I have like heard a lot about um, the first, you know, first run of uh, of Zendikar had like legit like power in the packs, and they didn't even tell people about it. They just fucking did it. They just mm-hmm. did it. They just yep. fucking they just put them in the packs, and and people started going to to uh, the pre-release events, and like it was happening like here and there. It's pretty crazy actually. So. I mean, 
that's that's really fucking cool. The the new lands I think were like one word away from being effective. Like oh, like, like the the tangle lands. Tangle lands is that what they're calling them? Prairie yeah. stream and shit. I've heard the word I heard that I really like is Zool, a Zendikar duel. Uh, that's cute. Uh, I, I I think if it had said like I mean I, yeah I think it's just missing like the word types. So if it was like Prairie Stream enters the battlefield tapped unless you control two or more basic land types, that would have been fucking good. What do you mean basic land? So you still have to so, so if you basic. so if you already had a dual land that would automatically qualify. Yeah, it would come in oh, untapped. I yeah. Oh, I see. That would be. Like, I mean, that's, it would, that's it would make it a, like, it would make it would make it a turn two fetchable dual land in Legacy. That'd be. That would be actually pretty cool because that would make Legacy a little bit more accessible for people, right? Yeah, I mean, right yeah, now you I, can't play those lands till turn three, and you have yeah, to play basics. It, it would have made it more, uh, it, more of an argument whether it's better than Shocklands. Right now, Shocklands are just strictly better. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Shocklands give you the option. Yeah, I mean these 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 Tangle lands are just unplayable in Legacy, I think. Right. There's no, there's no reason. Well, yeah, I mean, there's certain decks that could probably use them, but they're fucking seldom. Like, you, you might as the, well play regular duels. Yeah, the only decks that run that many basics are decks that don't even want du- uh, dual lands. You're either looking at monocolor decks, or you're looking at Miracles. And Miracles only runs, like, one or two dual lands. So if you really want to play Miracles, but you can't get that one or two dual lands, then sure, maybe you want that, but... I feel that's the, I cannot think of another example of a deck that would want that type of dual land. So, but the set itself has the full, me, The uh, full arts look sick. The full arts are, look awesome. The basics, you mean? Yeah. The full, yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. Fat packs are going to come with 80 full art basics. Is it 80 or 40? Uh, it's 80. That's so, right. Yeah, so to me, I'm, I'm actually just going to buy fat packs. Usually I buy a box of each set, but I'll probably just buy three fat packs because you figure the... The basics are going to end up being like a buck each, mm-hmm. so you're just you know if you hold on to them for a little bit, yeah, you're going to have to hold on to them for a lot yeah. of it. Well, I mean, you know, like right now, like all the all the original Zendikar basics are like between like a dollar and, and like a dollar fifty, dollar seventy five each. Hey, so before, before wow. they announced before they announced uh, the new Zendikar, they were getting up there. Like the islands were like five, six, seven bucks. Yep. At some they places. asked. They that's why I have the cup islands because they were the cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like the like I do too. No, I think they look sick, but they were the least. No, yeah. no, they were like they were like six, seven bucks for the islands. Yep. I mean, well, that was get... that was like what unglued, right? In no, that was like really 25. Zendikar. Zendikar lands before before they announced Battle for Zendikar back during Consbrock. I remember seeing them for six, seven bucks. Yep. All right. So and as soon as uh, so as soon as they announced Battle for Zendikar, they went down. So even now, islands are still like two bucks. Yep. So. I have a idea, Pat. Instead of instead of fat packs, yeah, you can go with me because I'm expecting that I'm probably going to draft a lot of this down at Wonderland. Yeah, as I buy back into like Merfolk and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can come do like sealed events and shit. And yeah, actually, the fucking I'm cool into doing that regardless. Like, I you know what I like doing honestly, like because. Well, so right now I'm in a I'm in a funny spot with like Puka Trade because I've kind of shipped out all the stuff that I have that people want, mm-hmm. and so for me to get like to get in on a new set right at the release is just really great because people are going to be paying like uh, there's going to be a lot of wants for stuff that for like uncommons and commons in the new set and obviously rares and mythics so it's just mm-hmm. a good time to get into it so I'm probably I mean I'm down for doing some sealed stuff because I love doing sealed in, in general um, but I'm probably still going to invest in some fat packs because I just want 
I just want the cards, you know? Yeah. No, so, it's definitely a good call. Also, my uh, my boss at work plays Magic, and he has a conspiracy that Wizards stacks the fat packs. <laughs> so yeah, my boss my boss gets a lot of fat packs. He's like what you like what you would call the stereotypical casual player. Yeah. Like does not use sleeves, kitchen table magic hundred percent. Awesome. Um all yeah, all he buys are fat packs and he just gets ridiculous pulls out of fat packs. So he got one fat pack of origins and it had two foil nisses in the fat pack. What? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And he just like yeah, just like every fat pack I get, I just get like three or four mythics per fat pack. <laughs> and I can definitely see it because I've seen some disparities in fat packs where the pack the packs are really weird. Yeah. Like I've gotten three of the same rare in a fat pack before. Really? Oh yeah. Uh, so I literally think it's just like the bin at the end of the row where all the extra packs fall off, and someone just comes by and scoops up a handful of them and stuffs them in a box. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I already I uh, texted Tony from G two earlier in the week and trying to find out what he's going to have the fat packs available for, because I'm going to go pick them up there when they come out. So. See, I think instead of the fat packs, I would be more interested in picking up legacy cards at 20% off. Yeah? No, that's that's fair. That's, that's <laughs> but I mean, my, like... That's my intention. Yeah. Oh, no, it's absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I prefer picking up fat packs and turning them into legacy staples. Yeah, that's that's like buying packs hoping to crack the mythic. I'd rather just buy the mythic. Oh, Adrian being a pessimist again. (laughs) Not pessimist. I think that's part of the realist. Yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, like I don't buy scratch tickets. I like to buy packs. (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. A pessimist. Let me, okay, (laughs) never mind, Jerry. The the pack are revised where the best was the dark ritual. (laughs) Like, come on. Hey, I it's, bought it's it. It's not pessimism. It's just realism. Well, you know what, though? Like, it, Yeah, well, it, I would be the optimist if I cracked an underground sea. It's yeah, all well, the chances. No, no, like Matt said, you're, you're you don't buy scratch tickets. Yeah. You buy booster packs because it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I remember being a kid and saving up my money for my crappy part-time job to buy, a, like, a booster box with my friend. We'd, like, split it. We'd split a booster box in half, and... um just like cracking all those cards at once was like some of the best memories I have of playing Magic in, the, in my early days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's just a little bit of nostalgia for me. Plus, like, you know, like I, I bought, I think I bought two Modern Masters 2015 packs, and one of them I cracked a um, Kozilek, maybe. Kozilek. One of those guys. One of those guys. I'm actually curious to see because they got the they got a new Ulamog. I'm curious to see what they do with the new Emrakul. Uh, so Emrakul is not going to be in this set. Ulamog's the only Eldrazi in this set. I don't know if it'll be in the next set, but. Um, it, it will only be Ulamog in this one for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what else I always like doing with uh, like sealed product and shit. We would do pack wars. Yep. Like if if I do something, win a draft or whatever, me and my son would sit down and do pack wars. Or me and uh, me and Ryan Stevens at one point we were doing like drafts and stuff. Yep. And we started doing that uh, anti league where we take like what the hell was it? Three packs of any set. You, you add in like. How the hell was it? Three of each basic land. You take the three packs, shuffle them together, add in three of each basic land. That's your deck, and you end up. Oh, is that like mini masters? Is that what that's called? No, no, it's anti league. Okay. You take three packs of any set. You open it up, but like if you open it up and you get, let's say you open up a pack. I think it's five of each land. But yeah, uh, anti league. Uh, That's a Jay Bush invention, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So we were doing that a little bit. That's sick. um, Yeah, I don't. What's five of each? Twenty-five. Yeah, that's a lot of land. I think it was three, but yeah. anyway, whatever the hell it was. So, it could, um, and you just shuffle it up and do a. It, it was kind of cool because we do it yeah. between rounds and shit. 
And uh, at, at the time, it was return like we were doing it with like Return to Ravnica and stuff. So it was a lot of color fixing. It was pretty good. That's pretty sweet. I uh, I've actually I was talking to Renee. For, um, actually, which I I think you met her down at um at Eternal Weekend. Yeah, yeah, I she did. Probably some of those cards. Yeah, and she was saying that uh, some of her friends they'll do um uh fat pack like sealed. So you'll do your yep. sealed event with your fat with the fat pack instead of doing it like with the, with the six packs. You get I don't know yeah. was there like seven or eight in a fat pack. You do it uh, that nine. way. There's nine. Nine. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's that's sweet. So maybe we should do some of that. That'd be cool, Jerry. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Um, someone on uh, MTG Price actually did the price breakdown of fat packs versus booster box. What would be the better value? Three mm-hmm. pack, three fat packs at $120 or one booster box at $120. And it worked out that like with the lands pack, the lands work out to something like 14 cents a piece yeah. uh, compared to just buying a booster box. So definitely some value in getting the fat pack over the booster box. And that's gotta be a low that's gotta be a low estimate too because I mean, is that like buy list pricing? Um that was under that was under the assumption of, you know, you would open well just like the cost per pack between the cost per pack between a fat pack and a booster box, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fat pack costs a little bit more because you get the box and you get the die and you get the lands and it it worked out it was, you know, you know, I don't know what it was, like an extra thirty dollars to buy fat packs over yeah. over um the booster box because of the difference in packs, because three pack fat packs is only uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but three fat packs just for Argument oh, it's like, like twenty-seven like, boosters versus thirty-six. For, exactly. Uh, yes. Okay, I got you. Now so I the, see. the shortage is like the value. If those boosters are valued at three ninety-nine a piece, yeah. then the extra lands you get work out to like fourteen cents a piece. Well, if your uh, your buddy uh, is right about them being stacked, then it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got four foil Ulamogs <laughs> in this bad pack. Yeah. Plus, like, plus you know, once I trade out all the stuff that's worth anything. When I have all the bulk, I'll just turn it into Tony, and then I'll give the money to uh, to the charity, and it's a win-win there. You go. Oh yeah. I'm excited for this set. I mean, I'll be down definitely to draft it. I think it'll be fun to draft. Um, uh, nothing's really caught my eye for anything other than draft, though. Yeah, I mean, I think just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Ulamog probably has a place in Legacy. I was actually. On Twitter, kind of like um, begrudging Ulamog a little bit because I thought it looked like. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, Kate Donnelly, uh, she plays down at TE, was kind of like, ah, you know, it's probably pretty good in mud, and she sort of talking down from the uh, from the ledge, so to speak, on Ulamog. So um, he might not be as bad as I as I thought he was. Yeah, she's uh, writing about it in her uh, new article, isn't she? Yeah. Yep, she did. Yeah, she already posted. It. I put it up on uh, Twitter. I'll put it up on the Facebook page too. It's actually a really good article. I- I liked it a lot. Um, she kind of hits on some of the points of why this Ulamog is, is pretty good to run over, like, the current Emrakul, um, just because it's harder for them to get really? to 15 mana. Yeah, I, I think that because it's harder for them to get to 15 mana versus 10 in Mud, um, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the biggest reason. I don't know if he's a... I don't know if Ulamog is a good, like, sneak-and-show target, to be honest. I don't yeah. think I don't think you want him over Emrakul, but um, when you're actually, like, trying to hard cast him like you would do in Mud... 10 is easier than 15. Yeah, you really need a hard caster to take full advantage because Wizards has been really cognizant about that lately. They're not printing as many broken comes into play effects. They're focusing more on broken, like, casting effects. Yeah. Because they also have an ear to the ground for the EDH community, and apparently that's a huge problem in EDH about all these blink effects with these creatures that have come into play abilities. That's interesting. Uh, I guess we could probably read the card, too, for people who don't know it. Um... So it's uh, Ulamog, the Ceaseless Hunger. 
He's 10 colorless to cast. <laughs> Legendary creature, Eldrazi. Uh, when you cast Ulamog, the Ceaseless Hunger, exile two target permanents. Uh, indestructible. And whenever Ulamog attacks, defending player exiles the top 20 cards of his or her library. And it, it's a 10-10. So, I mean, no evasion, no trample, nothing like that, which I don't think is part of the uh, the Eldrazi cycle anyway. Um, mm. Well, it almost has evasion. You know, it doesn't matter if you have blockers. If it swings three times, or not even, probably two times in Legacy, you're dead. Yeah, that's definitely true. And that was one of the things she was saying, too. Like, you know, if I have a bunch of uh, of uh, uh, tokens for uh, from Young Pyromancer, I can block, you know, uh, fucking... Jesus... Uh, you can block Emrakul. fucking Jesus. Emrakul. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Grixis is that good right now, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you can block, you can block Emrakul a couple times, you know, provided you have enough to get around that Annihilator. Um, but Ulamog, it doesn't really matter if you're blocking him, right? Yeah, I remember seeing a match where it was like Esper Thopters against uh, Sneak and Show. Mm-hmm. And Sneak and Show had an Emrakul out, and the Esper deck had Thopter Founder Sword of the Meek and seven mana. <laughs> so it was able to make six, to- seven tokens every turn. So six to sacrifice to Annihilator and one to block the Emrakul. <laughs> and it did that for several turns until it found an out and ultimately won the game because it's also gaining seven life a turn. <laughs> uh, so and that's, a, and that's the thing, right? Like if, you know, if, if Ulamog is swinging for two turns, that's basically it, right? Like, yeah, you, you just have 40 cards off your deck, so. Um, and the other thing I want to talk about, too, is the art in this set just looks fucking awesome. Yeah, they knocked it out of the park with the art. Yeah. Um, I think, I forgot what it is. It's one of the Eldrazi. It's not the best card, um, but the art on it is, is amazing. I think it's Swallower of Hope is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like this Eldrazi rising from the deep to devour this, like, fishing village. Oh, that's awesome. So you know, the, the Breaker of Armies looks like Hand of Emrakul. <laughs> that looks really good, right? Yeah, like the artwork. What's that? Oh, there he is, yeah. <laughs> if you if you look at like Hand of Emrakul's artwork, it looks like just a different side view of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I it's really, got a lot of really cute art. Yep. I like the flavor behind Barrage Titan, and it's like, pay three, sacrifice another colorless creature, Barrage Titan deals damage equal to the sacrifice creature's power to target creature or player, and the artwork is just an Eldrazi picking up a littler Eldrazi and getting ready to chuck him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this that'll be, I think this set will be fun to play with. Um, I haven't seen anything out of it besides Ulamog that looks like it could be playable in Legacy, and even that was took a little convincing from someone else, but... Um, I think it'll be fun to play some limited, so I'll be into it. Yeah, I'm actually wondering if we're going to get a sneak and show or show and tell uh, target out of this set. I mean, uh, if Ulamog's going to be the big, the big fatty for Eldrazi in this set, maybe in the next, in the next set, uh, which is Oath of the Gate Watch, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's Oath. So bad. Yeah. It's like Megamorph, you know? It's like someone okay then, just don't really think about it too much. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I think, uh, maybe there'll be something in there. I don't know if Emrakul or Kozilek will be in this set, in this block at all. They haven't, like, really said, but they've definitely said that it's not gonna be in this, in this set, so. If you guys wanna, you wanna go hit up some fucking sealed. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at pre-release at TJ's, cause the, uh, the pre-release deck box looks pretty dope, too. Yeah, I will 100% be at the, uh, the TJ's pre-release, whenever the hell that is. Midnight Madness, midnight. Are you, are you going, I'm not going at midnight. I'll go at 12 o'clock the next afternoon. Sally. 
Uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just I'm just playing with that shit. <laughs> I actually uh, working, there, was, you there was once there was once where uh, I because I usually work early mornings. You guys know, like I get up usually at like four to go into work for five, mm-hmm. and uh, I was working at, at five on a Friday, and I had signed up online for um, a pre-release at TJ's, <laughs> and I was there. I was there playing F and M. This is when I was still playing Saturday. I was there playing F and M that night, and basically planning on playing the, the midnight pre-release, and I found out they had a twelve o'clock pre-release the next day. And so I just put, I like went up to the table. I was like, "Hey man, I'm pretty tired. Is there any way I could push my my pre-release back to the next one?" Mm-hmm. And they were really cool about it. So uh, yeah, I'm never doing that shit. I'm not doing midnight. That's crazy. Yeah, I, d- yeah, I did it. I did it once. I just think that I, yeah, maybe I could. You well, know, I don't know. We'll see. It's maybe probably it if you prepare for it, it's probably the easiest tournament to spike. You just like <laughs> change your entire sleep schedule and <laughs> get on the schedule, and then it's like you're there, and it's like final round, and you're chipper as a fucker, and everyone else is falling asleep in their chair. Yeah, you're gonna ace that tournament. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so, oops, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I am kind of excited because they announced that uh, Kiora is gonna be another planeswalker in the set, so oh. she's gonna. I did hear that. Is that is that for sure? They haven't spoiled the card yet, but they spoiled art, and it's just like a full on you know shot of Kiora. You know how you just see those art, and you're just like, yeah, that's a planeswalker. Yeah, for sure. Um, I remember that. Uh, I forget who the artist is, but we were at a GP, and the artist who drew Rail Zarek was at the GP, and this was before Rail Zarek was ever printed, and he was selling prints of the Rail Zarek art before Wizards ever like spoiled the art for it. And I remember we just went up to him and we were like, this looks like a planeswalker. Is this an upcoming planeswalker? And he just like smiled knowingly. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then lo and behold, like two months later, Ralph Zarek was spoiled. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, Legacy? Go back to legacy. Legacy a little bit. <laughs> oh, it's all right. I, I laid down my legacy, my legacy successes. <laughs> we were just about to do this. Uh, we started doing this thing called "What the fuck should I play?" <laughs> and we were going to start talking about legacy dredge. Uh, okay. Got, you could lend some insight on uh, vintage dredge. Do you have a? Did you get to play against it at Eternal Weekend? Yeah, I did, and uh, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, so you get to tell all the awesomeness that is the deck across all formats. <laughs> uh, no, no, but no, the guy, the guy just got destroyed. They were, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so tell us about uh, vintage dredge a little bit. Spice, spice us, spice us up well, a bit. Well, it's like my, my I'm, I was playing uh, like at the vintage uh, championship. I, I was playing, uh, I was playing uh, oath of druids. Oh, yeah. And um, for my sideboard, you know, I said, "No way am I losing to Dredge." So I put <laughs> six, I put six cards in there, four Ravenous Trap, and uh, two Leyline of the Void. Okay, okay, I so like that. That was that was my sideboard plan. Um, and then I was also <laughs> running, <laughs> but like uh, like towards like. Like I went to like the week before, the week before the tournament, face to face was running like a small, uh, a small vintage uh, tournament that you can bring un- unlimited proxies. So I was kind of like testing in for the week after, mm. and um, one of the last minute change that I that I did is that I added a pitting needle to my deck, 
And like pitting needle in, uh, it's got a lot of usage in, uh, in vintage. Mm-hmm. It's like, and like when you're playing old, uh, like, uh, the, um, uh, Jace can be very annoying because like you ult your creature into play and then they bounce it and it's right. like, it's kind of annoying. And also like, uh, the shop decks, like they, they like to destroy all your lands with strip mines and wasteland. So, Pitting Needle naming Wasteland is like a good way of protecting your lands, you know, or like shutting down the man lands that they run. Like there's, it's it, it got a lot of usage and also <laughs> you can play it and name uh, Bazaar of Baghdad, which really oh, fucks up the dredge player. <laughs> and it's like, I, I play against the guy and like, he's like, like first game, like he's mulliganing he mulligans to to one card, I think. Yeah. And it, and I play, I go turn one. <laughs> he mulligans to one card, and like the card that he mulligans to is uh, Leyline of the Void, so he starts with that in play. <laughs> and then I go turn one, Pitting Needle, naming Bazaar of Baghdad, and like it's just like lights it, out. Yeah, lights out from the start. Uh-huh. And then, like, we play game two, and, like, I get, I think I had the, um, I had the ley line in my starting end, and with the, um, uh, with the pithing, I drew the pithing needle, like, within the first three turns of the game, so it was, like, it was not a very good day for that guy. Don't you just love those games when it's like game three and you draw your seven and it's like three of your sideboard cards and all the mana you need to cast them and you're like, yeah, I'm winning this game. <laughs> yeah, vin- vintage also is like it's very swingy, you know. Like sometimes like you you can't do it. Like they got the nut draw, you can't do nothing, or you have the nut draw and they can't do anything. You know? Yeah, I actually got to, to like, watch some of your matches down there, and it was my first time watching competitive vintage in action, and I got to see you play uh, Oath of Druids versus Workshops. Uh, so that was the time. Did the... Uh, yeah, I played... I Like, Workshop is, like, the... Kind of, like, the premium prison deck in uh, in vintage, and, like, it has it has a lot of tools, and it's a, it's a very good deck. Probably, like, the closest legacy equivalent would be Mud, I would say. You know, it's all about ramping into big artifact creatures like Lodestone Golems, and uh, does, does it play Forge Master too? Yeah, yeah, some lists do. There's, like, there's different variants, you know, like, um, some play the Forge Master, some play, um, like, more man lands, and then they, uh, they, they just finish you with uh, the Mishra's uh, factories. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's different versions. So, some of them, like, lately there's been, like, the new tech is, um, uh, Angerback Walker. And, uh, there's also, uh, they are, like, I think the Angerback Walker's deck also run, um, Arkbound Ravager. Mm-hmm. Cause, like, the two together are, uh, can be pretty insane. Yeah, that's pretty nasty. Because like you dump all the con- counters on the uh, on the hangerback walker, and then you make like a huge army of Thopter or a huge guy. Yeah, you just sacrifice the walker to the Arcbound Ravager, and you get a huge Ravager and lots of Thopter tokens. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty good. But um, 
Like I played, yeah, I played against Shop three times. I beat it once and lost to it twice. Ah, oh, well, I'm glad the one game I saw was the game you won. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it looked like they just have a lot of tools to stop you. I noticed they were playing Phyrexian Revokers against you, and I couldn't hear what he was naming. Um, what what is that name against in your deck? It, it named like he every time he played it, he named um, Grizzlebrand basically. Gotcha. That's a fair target. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, like my deck was like my deck was playing uh, a slightly different package of creatures to old four. Um, so I had in like like the I would say like the base like the basic um, old deck will run three uh, Grizzlebrand. That's yeah. that's what won last year basically. Okay, and but me, I was running, I was running um, one Grizzle Brand, one Emrakul, and one uh, Runescarred Demon. Nice. Well, also for our uh, listeners at home who uh, maybe aren't on the up and up about vintage decks, uh, why don't you kind of explain kind of what the point of the deck is and you know how, how you win with it? Yeah, basically, basically what you do is you play Oath of Druids. Uh, and, uh, what that does is that, uh, it's, it's a symmetric effect. So at the beginning of each player's upkeep, if your opponent has more creatures than you, then you, you, you trigger it. And what you do is that you mill your deck until you hit a creature, and then you put, you put that into play and the other cards in your graveyard. And you're putting into play Grizzlebrands and Emrakuls and Runescar Demons, and your opponent is putting into play not that cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, they have, like, they have to have more, like, you have to have more creatures than them for them to trigger it, you know? So, like, if, like, it's, it usually doesn't trigger for them unless, like, there's some shenanigans going. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, they never even get a chance. And the way you push it over the top so that you're always triggering is you run Forbidden Orchard. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you're playing against, like, a creatureless deck, then, like, Forbidden Orchard, what it does is that it gives you a mana of any color, and uh, but it gives your opponent a 1-1 colorless spirit. Because it's a downside that ends up breaking the deck in two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, these, these two cards work together, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty broken. Yeah, is is that also the reason, like, was Oath of Druids legal in Legacy until Forbidden Orchard was printed? I, I'm not, like, I'm, I don't know enough about it, but I know that... Uh, it got banned very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember having, back in the day, first getting back into Legacy, having to break it to my friend that Oath of Druids was banned. <laughs> but, like, against, like, against the, uh, against some decks, like, you don't even need the Orchid, because, like, usually people play creatures, you know? Right. <laughs> Go figure, like, we're playing it's, Magic. <laughs> it's a bad, it's a bad matchup for, um, for the Pyromancer and Delver deck, because, like, their whole plan relies on, like playing small dudes and attacking, but right. like by doing that, they're they're letting you like combo with one less piece, basically. <laughs> yeah, you have a one card combo now. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that w- that was uh, pretty awesome. I feel if I were to p- if I were to put together a vintage deck in my wildest dreams, I would probably want to put together both the druids because it just feels like 
the vintage version of uh, Sneak and Show, or like the vintage version of Tin Fins. Yeah, it's uh, it's like like that's the reason I chose to play it. It's because like if you're gonna be playing vintage, you know, like what do you want to do? Like I want to play the biggest creatures <laughs> that I can for two mana. You know, it's uh, exactly it, seems, it seemed obvious to me, but like it's not like an. I didn't think it was like the end all be all, you know. Like I, I wasn't thinking I was gonna break the tournament, but like I, I, I was going it just. I was going at it just for fun, basically. Yeah. What do you think, Adrian? Oath of Druids sound like your type of deck. Oath of Druids. Can't really be sure. <laughs> I, I'm really not familiar with vintage. Um. I figured this would be right up your alley. You just want to put big, fat, fatty Grizzlebrand in play as soon as possible. I know, right? Just run three Grizzlebrand, and that's all you're getting in there. Yeah, Adrian's like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the course of the tournament, I I had one mirror match. Yeah. But I, I was playing against a different v- uh, version of the deck, which is like I would say it's like even more degenerate kind of <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that version basically is uh, omni oat uh, <laughs> it runs omniscience and like basically it runs like a full play set of show and tell also oh, and, really I uh, didn't know that was uh, vintage playable yeah yeah it's be- yeah I just figured there was other things to do in vintage I've, I've never seen a vintage deck with show and tell that said, I don't really see that many vintage decks, so maybe <laughs> okay. Show and Tell's the most popular card in the format. I don't know. <laughs> Black Lotus Show and Tell seems pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what's like what's weird about that is that you know the um, like uh, Oath of Druids is a symmetric effect, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if they play their oath, you know, it can turn against them, you know. And if I play my oath, it can turn against me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I guess the the Forbidden Orchard's the real important piece in that in that kind of stare down. Yeah. Exactly. And um, the thing that happens is that if they get if they get omniscience in, into play. Like, it gets pretty crazy, cause then they just, like, either, like, they just start, like, they, they start, like, basically it's, it's a more combo version of the deck, cause, like, once they have Grizzle Brand into play, and with, uh, with Omniscience, like, they can just go through their entire deck and, uh, and kill you, basically. Right. And, like, they start, like, the, the guy was, like, chaining, uh, dig through times, you know, and, like, just, like waiting to get the pieces that he needs, and then like his deck ran one Grizzle Brand and one uh, Emrakul. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's just like okay, I'll draw cards until I hit the Emrakul, and then I'll time walk and like swing for twenty uh, twenty two in the air. Right, and you were running a uh, pretty interesting creature in your sideboard. I noticed the Worm. Yeah, yeah, that was my uh, that was my special tech uh, for the tournament. So I ran Elder Scale Worm in my sideboard. I'm I'm pretty sure you guys don't even know what that card does. <laughs> I have no idea. What that is. That's the thing that's like if you got seven life and or if you go less than seven life, you go back to seven life. Is that that thing? Yeah, it's that thing. 
Okay. I, I remember seeing it in like uh, like a reanimator list. Every once in a blue moon, it would show Wait, up. Were you using that with Grizzlebrand? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no. Like, the, the thing is, like, it doesn't. No, but it doesn't. Um, what it does is, when it comes into play, if you're below seven life, you go to seven life, mm-hmm. and then like damage that would bring you under, what like doesn't have any effect basically. But it doesn't. It doesn't stop life loss, so you can still be tendrils of agony and still be. Yeah, so, yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. But uh, like, basically, like the purpose of this card is that like, there's like there's a lot of decks in vintage that still kill you with like regular damage. Yeah, Merfolk is a deck in vintage. And like, yeah, so the Merfolk deck, like that was against that. Uh, Dredge also kills you like this, because like what they do is they just like create like a million tokens and swing with haste, uh, you know, and yeah, that's how they kill you. But the thing is, like, if you have the if you have that worm into play, they can never kill you. So like, it, he's pretty good, and like normally, like normally, uh. A better version of this card would be, um, like the Platinum Empyrean. But the thing is, like, there's a lot of artifact hate in the format. And that one instead, it's a green creature and, like, it doesn't, like, it, it dodges, like, a lot of things by, by being just, like, a random worm. Alright, guys, let's get into, uh, the What the Hell Should I Play segment today. We're gonna t- talk about LED Dredge, um, which is Lion's Eye Diamond Dredge, um, We'll go over the main deck real quick. Uh, one Flame Kin Zealot, three Icarid, four Golgari Thug, four Narcomoeba, four Stinkweed Imp, four Golgari Grave Troll, three Putrid Imp, uh, four Lion's Eye Diamond, a Faithless Looting, uh, two Breakthrough, four Cabal Therapy, two Dread Return, one Careful Study, um, four Bridge from Below, four City of Brass for the Land, uh, three Cephalid Coliseum, Four mana confluence and three gemstone mine. So, I, I know that the dredge decks I've seen in action, and it's only been from a spectator standpoint, has been basically like dump your gra- you know dump your deck into your graveyard, and they basically play with the graveyard in front of them. So, can you guys go a little more into that? How this deck is <laughs> behind it? I don't know how that fancy magic works. All I know is they put their deck in their graveyard and then I lose. Yeah, some horseshit, <laughs> right? Like I've actually never I've never played against a dredge deck, so like you know, if you play against someone who's playing the dredge deck, like you can ask them what's going on and they're you know, they'll they'll explain to you what's going on, but watching from a spectator standpoint I don't feel comfortable being like, Oh, so what'd you do there? What's that card for? You know what I mean? Like Oh so, yeah. <laughs> It's it's definitely that type of deck. I remember when I was first getting into this into the the whole legacy scene. It took me losing to Dredge three or four times before I realized what was going on and how I lost. <laughs> um, and it's just one of those things like you're kind of nervous to ask. You don't really want to you know show how ignorant you are about the format. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, uh, an interesting deck. And what it essentially does is it runs all the Dredgers. So. You know, I, I bet a bunch of our listeners are familiar, but for those who aren't, Dredge is basically a replacement effect where instead of drawing a card, you mill the top number, you know, X amount of cards from your library and return the card from your hand. So it's all about just pitching creatures into the graveyard, replacing your draws with mill uh, with uh, mills, so you put your graveyard in front of you, and through various win conditions, you know, Bridge from Belows, Icarids, Dread Return, <laughs> okay. um, they just... Uh, 
you know, win by making an army of zombies or bringing back a flamekin, giving all their creatures haste. Um, you know, as many people have said, it's the boogeyman of the legacy format. Um, but, uh, Frank, you want to chip in a little with uh, kind of how it compares to Vintage Dredge? Do you have any experience against that? Well, the big difference in, is that in Vintage Dredge, they have uh, Bizarre Baghdad. Right. It's like, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a land that you can tap and it's draw two, discard three. <laughs> Which makes the deck insane. So basically, yeah, it, it just supercharges the deck because, like, you're, like, once you start dredging, it, it doesn't end, basically. Right. Um, as, as, uh, the dredge players I talked to at Eternal Weekend said, uh, the deck mills to Bizarre Baghdad. You look at your hand, does it have a Bizarre Baghdad in it? Yes, you keep. No, you maul. <laughs> but the deck is just one of those decks where if you're not prepared for it, if you, you know, probably your biggest tool is Graveyard Hate. Even if you don't necessarily know what the deck's doing, you know it's a graveyard-based deck. If you're packing Rest in Pieces, Leyline of the Voids, most dredge decks are going to scoop. Um, but the second thing is if you actually know the deck and know which cards are important in it, um, you can beat the deck without Graveyard Hate. It's really difficult, but I've definitely seen it happen, and I've done it uh, a couple times myself. Uh, not to toot my own horn. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's the secret to beating Dredge if you're not packing Graveyard Hate, or if maybe you don't draw it? Um, so the key is keeping creatures off the board, um, because they can put their entire graveyard in their library. It's when they actually start bringing things back onto the battlefield that it turns into a problem. Right. So the key is to get is to stop the Narc Amoebas from ever hitting. So Grafdigger's Cage is a great answer to it. I mean, honestly, you're going to need some form of hate in order to stop them, whether it's Deathrite Shaman, Grafdigger's Cage, you know, something to impede their progress. Um, because just racing the deck is very, very difficult. You basically have to get go, like, Delver of Secrets, Delver of Secrets, Delver of Secrets, and just blind flip them every time. I mean, they're running. They're running. They're pretty short on land, right? They're only running thirteen land plus the four LEDs. True. So you can, you know, hate them out of mana. Um, the key is in those cases countering their draw spells. So if you if you don't have graveyard hate, um, the key is countering the breakthroughs, countering the careful studies, countering the faithless lootings. Um, a lot of people will board out counter magic against dredge because they think. It doesn't do anything. It's a, it's a non-interactive deck that plays out of the graveyard. What they forget is that in order to get those cards in the graveyard, they need to cast other spells in order to get the whole chain reaction going. So a well-timed force of will can do wonders in buying you time. So, like, uh, there's, there's another, like, and like, I, I'd say like the second avenue you can fight them on, basically, is, uh, by uh, removing the bridges from their graveyard. Because, like, the way the card works is that uh, when they when they lose a creature, that's when the the bridge from Brillo will trigger, right? Yeah, and they get a but, token, yep. But the thing is that if you lose a creature, then the bridges from below will be exiled from their graveyard. Yeah. And, the, and also the way it works is that if you, like, if, like, let's say they... Um, they do, like, what they'll do is they'll, they'll cast something from the graveyard. 
which requires them to sack a creature, either Dread Return or uh, Cabal Therapy. But when the triggers go on the stack, if you if you like kill one of your own creature in response, those trigger will basically be countered because the 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 bridges from below need to be in the graveyard when they resolve. Yep, that's true. In the early days of Legacy, when Goblin was a deck, they were playing Mog Fanatic, and like Mog Fanatic is uh, is like the perfect card to stop them from doing all this uh, all those shenanigans. So you can waste them out. You can attack from the bridge from below, or you, you know, can. I mean, it's, if they're casting Breakthrough, they're just play, paying one blue, right? They're not going to hold anything back in their hand. So the the thing that's a little different, Pat, is like wasting them out is kind of useless. Like, yeah, they play thirteen lands, but they really only need one. Mm-hmm. They they only need one land because they actually don't play with lands. Lands okay. are like for the first turn. Like there's, there's no after that. It's not like they play lands. They just dredge and put. They basically mill themselves. It's weird because it's almost like how was it put to me? Um, their graveyard is their hand. Their hand is their mana pool, and their <laughs> fucking library is it's 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 wicked whacked. It's it's a little bit different, but like I've, from playing Dredge, one of the other ways that I've actually been really smoked is like you, you end up with like Narcomebas and you're sacrificing Narcomebas to flashback Cabal Therapies and getting the tokens to set, to sacrifice to flashback Dread Return. Yep. And I did that once and, and of course when I do it, I'll play Grizzlebrand because if I draw <laughs> seven and just decide to mill the deck out, it, it goes, it goes nuts, but that's just me. Um, but I went to Dread Return Grizzlebrand and somebody misdirected it to my Narcomeba. So I ended up with a one-one that I had to put in a lot of work to get. Yep, <laughs> it, was just, it was just so lackluster. Um, but so I mean, there's different ways to play against Dredge that are uh, like if you're not packing graveyard hate, but you have misdirections, you can look for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you can stifle the Narcomeba trigger so it doesn't come in the field. There's uh, there's different ways to play against it, but it doesn't it doesn't play mana where it's weak to wasteland the way other decks are. Okay, like it just uses it for the turn one play. I see. Usually with dredge, you want to be on the draw, because it gives you the ability to discard to dredge your turn one. Here's a draw seven. Like, we got gemstone mine, stinkweed imp, bridge from below, golgari thug, careful study, careful study, and Icarid. Okay. Um, so you can like, you usually want to take the draw because you're going to draw an eighth card. In this case, we get a golgari grave troll. You can just discard the golgari grave troll turn one. But you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to do that though because you discard you cast the careful so you, I think you're thinking of manaless dredge manaless dredge always wants to be on the draw so it can discard yeah. regular LED dredge actually wants to cast its its spells because you can discard that Golgari turn thug turn one but if they uh, have a death right shaman you may not be able to get enough dredgers in your graveyard to keep up with the death right shaman so especially in this hand where you have two dredgers. And two careful studies, you can turn one careful study, ditch both dredgers, um, on your next draw step, dredge the Golgari Thug, and still have another careful study to dredge the Stinkweed Imp if you don't hit another dredger. Yeah, as long as they don't, like, force a will your careful study off a gemstone mine. I mean, my yeah. thing is, like, my thing is with dredge, you're okay if you lose the die roll. Right. No, that that's true. It's not the end of the world. But, I mean, you definitely want to still be able to play uh, with the deck. It's it's not gonna always draw eight and then discard the same way Manalist Dredge would. 
Well, yeah, Manos Dredge doesn't have another option. Right. <laughs> Manos Dredge is like, that's my game plan. I won the die roll. I'm yeah. going second. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, I love it when you when your opponent wins the die roll and then says they're going second. I'm like, on the draw. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're playing. <laughs> that's interesting. So, it, this deck seems like it's... You're basically just going to pack your sideboard hate for it, right, and hope to draw into it, unless you're really lucky and can work around their game plan? It takes a lot of practice, but you can win against the deck without any graveyard hate. It's hard. You have to have the right counter magic at the right time. Yeah. Um, but it it's definitely doable. For people who aren't as experienced, graveyard hate is definitely the easiest way to beat the deck, and that's why it kind of got the reputation as the boogeyman of the format, where if you weren't packing your graveyard hate, you were going to lose to Dredge. going to keep you honest, right? Right. Either Dredge or Reanimator wins a major tournament every time there hasn't been a graveyard deck in a while. Like, every couple of three months that goes by that a graveyard-based deck doesn't win the win the major tournament, people start bringing out uh, the, the Dredge, and that's when it starts placing. Right? Right now, I don't think it's the best time for it, though, because with all the dig-through times running around, people are packing graveyard hate anyways. Right, right. So what's so if I'm playing against Dredge and I don't know what they're on, what's a, like a turn one play they'll make where I'll know exactly what they're playing and I can adjust my adjust my lines to uh, to play against Dredge? Pretty much any of their lands. <laughs> really? Well, so, yeah. I mean, if you see, Dredge? well, if yeah. you see a, if you see a careful study, you can assume it's Dredge or Reanimator. But if it's an Underground Sea, it's it's going to be Reanimator. If it's a Gemstone Mine, it's going to be Dredge. Okay. If you see a Cephalid Coliseum, yeah, that's a giveaway. Um, if, Gemstone Mine, if you see Gemstone Mine, it's like 90% chance it's Dredge and 10% chance it's Storm. Okay. Like, Storm yeah. can do it, but it's nowhere near as common as Dredge doing it. Hmm. So, just just so you get an idea of what a turn one would look like, like from Jerry's perspective, if you're on the play, you would probably start with a Gemstone Mine, cast Careful Study, you draw, uh, draw two cards, and then discard, like, a Golgari Troll, and the Stinkweed Imp. So your next turn, you would actually take the Golgari Troll back to your hand, mill yep. six. Um, you can, at any point, if you get a Lion's Eye Diamond, you can cast it. If you just sacrifice it for three mana, you can get Bridge from Below that was in your hand into your graveyard, and you can usually sacrifice the Lion's Eye Diamond for three red to flashback a Faithless Looting, mm-hmm. which allows you the draw, which will let you trigger the Dredge, or use Dredge as a replacement. And then just keep milling the deck out. So why do you want Bridge from Below in your graveyard? Because that's the only way it functions. Oh, really? I didn't didn't get that from reading it. It's it's an enchantment that does absolutely nothing. Um, Yeah, you never cast it. It pumps your devotion, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, Frankie, you got me there. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, if if Bridge from Below is in your graveyard. See, I kept missing that part. If... From blows in your graveyard. Oh man, it does nothing on the field. <laughs> it's it's the weirdest card that oh, was ever. Bizarre. Played. Now I understand what Frankie's talking about, though. About attack, about you know, killing off one of your own guys to exile Bridge from below with that trigger on the sack. Yeah. So like right now, yep. I mean, with with so much Grix- Grixis Delver, it's really terrible because you got Deathrite Shaman that you have to fight against anyway. Plus, people are sacrificing creatures to flashback Cabal therapies, yep. which gets rid of Bridge from below. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, so, it's... Tokens Dying does not exile Bridge, though, is that, I believe. Is that correct? 
No, we went over that with CJ a while. Yeah, because because technically the the token it hits your graveyard and then and then is uh long enough to trigger the bridge to go. Right, right. So the I actually listened to that episode. I wasn't on it, but I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the token does go to the graveyard long enough to trigger any enters the graveyard effects and then it and then it disappears. It doesn't get exiled, obviously, but it just it vanishes. Yeah, yeah, it vanishes. <laughs> yeah, no so, reanimating uh... a token. Frankie, if you were completely new to the format and you were thinking of getting into it, uh, what would you say, you know, what, what do you kind of see in Dredge that, you know, may inspire you to pick this deck up for some reason? Like, basically, you're an asshole, you win <laughs> into top eight, you don't want people to have nice things, so you, you run Dredge. <laughs> Uh, no offense to heavy meta midget out there who requested this deck. <laughs> now, so the other thing you can see, Pet, is that the the total value of a dredge deck is under five hundred bucks. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's 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 cheap. That's and that's with Lion's Eye Diamonds. So, like, if you wanted to bite the bullet and pick up Lion's Eye Diamonds and then eventually get into Ad Nauseum Tendrils or Tess or any of the other LED dredge, uh, decks that are usually combo based, dredge is the cheap way to get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, now, draw. yeah, and, but I think a drawback, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it doesn't seem like a lot of these cards go into other decks. I mean, I guess Cabal Therapy will go into Grixis, Lion's Dynamic can go into other variants running LEDs. So uh, the thing, Thought the thing is, is and, no, you're right, you're right. The deck is not versatile; like it doesn't have a lot of versatility to it. But the every card that doesn't have versatility to it is most of the cheap. deck, and it's so cheap. Right, like, and that's, that's except what for keeps it cheap, right? Is that it doesn't have yeah. a lot of versatility. Well, you except can't for play it in anything else, there's not a big demand. Mm-hmm. What you know? Now that you mention it, you're actually having me a little curious. Um, since the unbanning is Golgari Grave Troll's price, I think it's still pretty cheap. Um, yeah, it actually is. It was printed to hell. It was in a dual decks. Yeah. Uh, Looks like it right around. So you can get it for under under five bucks. Yeah, four or five bucks. Yeah. So so that's probably like, and, and actually, when I was building Dredge, it took me a while to just find Golgari Thugs. I don't know why they were so hard to find. I could get Grave Trolls, Stinkweed Imps. Um, another one's Putrid Imp, which allows you to just discard. Yep. Um, but I couldn't find Golgari Thugs. So. It, it also helps that most of the deck was reprinted in the first Modern Masters. You know, Stinkweed Ems, I think Golgari Thugs, too. And could you draft a dredge deck in the first Modern Master? You could. You could. Oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, it's it terrible. Was, yeah, it's just it like terrible. Worm Harvest. You basically <laughs> had to assemble, like, the Holy Trinity, <laughs> and then you, you, you got, like, every single piece passed to you. You would be able to uh, then draft the dredge deck. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know how this deck took first. I keep getting terrible opening hands. Uh, to be fair, Adrian, the list you pulled won first place of La Liga Argentina, a 19-person tournament. <laughs> oh, is that what the hell it was? I just, <laughs> yeah. I just found the first dredge deck I could find. <laughs> Some random 20-person f- South American tournament. <laughs> well, I didn't see the link that you shared. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, like, what's uh, a nut draw on dredge? Like if you, you a know, nut draw? Yeah. Here's, here's a good one. Lion's Eye Diamond, Lion's Eye Diamond, um, City of Brass... Uh, cast careful study, draw two, discard two would be Golgari Grave Troll and Faithless Looting, sacrifice Lion's Eye Diamond for three red, flashback uh, Faithless Looting, bring back Golgari Grave Troll, and then mill the next six. 
<laughs> and, and and you get bridge from below in the grave. Uh, no Narcomibas entered yet, but there's another. It, it's just the deck will start running faster than people can keep up with. Yeah. Especially if they haven't seen it. Yeah, like, that's that's why the death rate shaman sometimes just can't keep up. If they're ditching three or four dredgers into their graveyard a turn, you know, one death rate shaman is not going to save you. <laughs> especially where it doesn't have haste turn one. Yeah. yeah, and I've heard I've heard that like you know at least from a Grifter standpoint, if you're fighting against a, a graveyard deck, like you basically want to have double death right out. Like a single death right's not going to cut it. So even like turn one or two, you're probably not going to have your second death right yet, and uh, it's not going to do it for you then. I mean, dredge is actually for me. It's the reason I will play surgical extraction over extirpate, is because I need the speed when I don't have mana. Mm-hmm. Like the the split second is is incredible out of extirpate, but like. If I'm playing Merfolk, I'll play Surgical Extraction, and Dredge is the reason why. Also because it's, it's going to be cast for free. <laughs> Instead of Black and Merfolk. That's your Sure, from the guy that plays Dark Confidant in Merfolk. <laughs> hey, hey. The Jeremy Lifestyle is not a lifestyle for everyone. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, so besides the fact that I could actually cast Surgical Extraction in a Merfolk deck, um, yeah, a lot of times I find the turn... Like the turn one surgical more valuable than looking at an extra pate in my hand. The, the the hard thing is trying to figure out what you want a surgical out of a dredge deck. Like sometimes it's the bridge, but like this deck will keep fighting you with Icarids. Even if it's not killing you with tokens, it's removing black creatures and returning Icarid from the graveyard to the field and attacking you there. I don't know how valid it is, but I've had several dredge players t- tell me after I've asked them, because I made a point of it to ask dredge players. And once you lose, that's this is a general point in, uh, for all players. If someone crushes you, ask them how you they would have beat themselves, and they will give you advice on how to beat the deck for next time, if, as long as they're not a fucking asshole. <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll give you advice, and that's how I learned how to play against dredge, is by asking dredge players. They know the deck the best. They will tell you exactly what the deck's weakness is. Yeah. And what a lot of them told me is primary target for surgicals were the Narcomibas. The Narcomiba was really the engine that gets the deck moving from putting the library into the graveyard to putting the library in play. Well, and the why is that? Yeah. Yep. Be- because the Narcomibas come into play for free off the okay. dredge. Once oh, right, they get right. the engine going, they're the creatures that get into play that they can then sacrifice for Cabal Therapies, they can sacrifice for Dread Returns, and really trigger those Bridge from Below triggers. Gotcha. Ex- ex- except for the dredge decks that play Icarid. Like, not all dredge decks play Icarid, but the ones that do can actually keep generating tokens off of Bridge from Belows. Right, that's true. I mean, I would definitely say Icarid is also up there. Yeah. Um, generally, you don't want a surgical uh, the great the bridge from below though, because generally it's just better to sacrifice one of your own creatures if you have a way to kill your own creature. You know, I've I've lightning bolted my own uh, Delver secrets number of times against Dredge in order to get rid of those bridges. Sometimes you'll notice like there is usually one key creature that a Dredge deck is built around functioning on. Like this one's kind of interesting because it's got Icarids. If it's not playing Icarids, some Dredge decks will play like Iona. And then Dread Return Iona and say whatever color you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, like against Omni Show, that's actually pretty good because they can get an Iona out pretty damn fast. Um, some will do Grizzlebrand. Some will do Flare of the Hatebound, which has like this this crazy clause when a creature enters the battlefield, it deals, it deals damage to, equal to its power to target player. So they'll just Dread Return the Flare of the Hatebound and then bring a Golgari Grave Troll into the field that gets plus one plus one for every creature in its graveyard and hit for a huge amount. Yep. Um, 
so the it's some some will just keep ramping out tokens off smaller creatures, and then bring out a flamekin zealot and attack with everybody haste. I, I've had people hard cast Golgari Grave Troll against me, and I was just taken aback because it was for the first time I read the text on Golgari Grave Troll besides the dredge clause. Because that's usually just where you stop, and then you read the rest of the card, and you realize, oh, this thing's a freaking twenty twenty right now. Oh man! <laughs> did I? Did I? I don't think I told you about my like huge faux pas playing freaking sneak and show. I, I cast show and tell, knowing Golgari Grave Troll was in the dredge player's hand. I put in Emrakul. He put in a twenty twenty Grave Troll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, chump luck with Emrakul. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, it was. Uh, that was that was really interesting. So turn, turn I I had turn. like um I had like a little show off between um Emrakul and uh Blightsteel Colossus <laughs> during oh, <yeah>. my <laughs> <laughs> Who won that? Yeah. One? I was like, well, uh, the Blightsteel uh, eventually got there. <laughs> <laughs> Really, so size doesn't matter. <laughs> well, with infect, it, it makes your uh, your Emrakul smaller. Oh, oh did you block with Emrakul and get a four four Emrakul? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's what happened. <laughs> I was using my Emrakul to buy time, but eventually, I, I couldn't get there. Basically, uh, he was locking me out with uh, with other uh, other stuff. Oh man, um, yeah. Everyone at home, Dredge, it's a cool deck. If you want to be the most hated person in your shop, sorry, haven't met a midget, <laughs> but uh, pick up Dredge. It's dirt cheap, and if you just want to get into Legacy as quick as possible, you know, there are definitely worse decks to do it. Yeah, I mean, $488, like, is not... That's a standard deck. Yeah, right, that's what I was going to say. It's, like, not much more than a standard deck, and, I mean, almost the whole deck is the, the four Lions Eye Diamond and the three Thoughtseize on the board. I mean that's that's basically the deck right there. Everything else is cheap, cheap. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, cool little thing. Now for something completely different. Uh, Frankie, I heard you uh, got slammed in the ass in uh, Eternal Weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, not gonna elaborate. We're just gonna leave it at that. Let your, <laughs> let your imaginations wander, children. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, if you know the rules, you know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you did on, like, the side of the road? You just, uh, oh. rule number one. <laughs> uh, you you want to tell people about that story? No, what, well, I'll, I'll, I can tell briefly what happened. Is that, like, when we, like, we drove down, like, basically the trip we were doing is that we were driving down to New York. And uh, we spent two nights in New York. It was our first time that we uh, we were visiting New York, so that was pretty cool. And uh, then on uh, on Saturday, like we 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 got there on Thursday. Then on Saturday, the plan was to drive to Philly for Eternal Weekend. And uh, we, as we were like leaving, we were on the George Washington Bridge. We were leaving New York. Everything was going great. And, but the traffic was a little bit slow on the bridge. So, and like, I was, like, from the start, I wasn't going very fast because there was a lot of traffic. And like, traffic was kind of like stopping in front of me. So I stopped, but like, very gently. But the guy behind me just like ran into us, basically. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's like, I got out of the car, like, on the middle of the bridge. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're looking at the damage, like the two cars are stuck together, like we're, mm. we're trying to pry them away from one another. Then at one point I'm like, look, this is not doing it, you know, like I, I'm gonna go back in my car, I'm gonna go forward, and you go backward, and that's how we're gonna <laughs> free one each other, from each other, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And then like after that we drove off, like, uh, like, uh, we drove off the bridge and then we stopped and like we looked at the damage more and like the guy was like some sketchy Russian guy he didn't want to call the cops like I, I don't like Russian why <laughs> like why you don't call the cops like that I, I like I'll leave that up to your imagination <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like uh, he was trying like he was telling me like oh this it's not too bad the uh, We'll go at a garage and we'll get like the damage. Uh, we'll we'll get an estimate and things like that. And like I'm not from here. I have to go to Philly and then I go back to Canada. Like listen to my voice. I'm not from around here. <laughs> what kind of Frankie? What kind of car was it you were driving anyway? It's my it's my own car. It's a Ford uh, Focus 2015. Okay. Yeah. So uh, like eventually, eventually I told them, look, I have to call this in. I need to make an insurance claim and everything. You know, like so I need to do this legit. And I got back in the car, and then like as we were trying to figure out like where to call, the guy drove off. No way. But KYT was able to catch his uh, license plate number. And, uh, like, just a couple minutes later, there was a cop that was on the other side of the bridge that had seen us, so he went around the bridge and got here just as the guy had uh, taken off. So, uh, I spoke to the, to the policeman, uh, we, we got, like, we went, like, we went, like, a little further off the bridge, cause, like, the, the spot we were stopped at wasn't, like, ideal, so, we went, we drove a little further, he took our report, and, uh, like basically, like as we were assessing the damage, uh, me with the, uh, the Russian guy, uh, like we opened the trunk to see like what was happening, but like once we had opened the trunk, like we, like there was no way we were closing it again. Mm. <laughs> was it still viable? Yeah, yeah, like luckily, I had some straps in the, in the trunk. So I was able to use the straps to keep the trunk closed. Yeah. And, uh, we were able to drive off. And like, he hit us like really, like he was driving like an, uh, Econoline. So like. Holy smokes. Like, he, a, like a, the big van? Yeah, yeah, big van. So like, the thing is. <laughs> on the back of a focus. Holy shit. Yeah, he hit us pretty high. So it's like the direction of the car wasn't affected. It was just like the trunk. The door of the trunk and like the that and like the bumper that that took most of the hit, you know. Yeah, you kind of look so the whole back of the car. Lights, though. Yeah, the whole back of the car is fucked, but um, you can go on Twitter and like I posted a picture on my account that you can probably find. Yeah. By the way, that, that reminds me on, on all of your accounts there. I wanted to uh, offer you my congratulations on your nuptials. Thanks, man. Yeah. So when when's that going on? Uh it's it's ro- it's probably going to happen uh, sometime next year. Hmm. 
There's uh well you know when you do things with women it's always complicated. <laughs> I would have no idea about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so like now we're in the early phases of like what type of wedding do we want to have and yeah, that's so good. on. How long you guys been together? We've been together for uh, 6 years. That's a good time to pull the trigger though. My 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 wife and I were together for I think seven years before we got engaged and then got married shortly after that. So. Yeah, we uh, we bought a house this year together, mm-hmm. and uh, like before that, we were living in my condo. So um, this so year where, we got the house, and uh, now where where you where do you live? I know you're from Canada, but what part? I'm from uh, I'm from Montreal, basically, okay. just like just a little outside of it. Okay, I still want to go up there because I've never actually had poutine. <laughs> yeah, that shit sounds pretty freaking good. What we, what would if like I, I know you got some legacy familiarity too. What what would your thought be on if somebody wanted to get into legacy? What deck would you suggest? Like perfect, like personally, I suggest Merfolk. I like Merfolk. You get access to Force of Will and Wasteland. The the deck is always decent, and you have the ability to branch out into other decks from there. Like what, what's what's your thoughts? I haven't like I haven't played in a while, but. Uh... I I wouldn't like I'm like, like if you were gonna if you were gonna get into legacy what do you think you'd pick up to enter like uh, if I was if I was to randomly play uh, a tournament the uh, I think I'd be looking at uh, something like bug maybe so just like money's no object well the guy plays vintage I mean I have all <laughs> I have all the cards right 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 yeah. You're asking yeah. me, right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Have you heard of this company called Face to Face Games? <laughs> uh, man, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I no, like but that. like if uh, like if like the, the thing is like if you want to get into a format, I think like you should go with like something that's uh, that's flexible. So, but like I I I haven't been into vintage like for for a while but like I'd say like just like get your get get your duels and like get into like a piece of the color pie that gives you option basically so I don't like I don't know like if like I know Miracle is like uh, I think I think it's typically uh, blue white red right yeah but like is there like what like is there other decks that are in those same colors uh yeah well there's Patriot Delver you can like play so you can play Mystic and True Name Nemesis and shit yeah like um I think I'd get into something like that you know that okay you buy you get your land base and then like you can play Miracle or you can play something else you know like you can play mm-hmm. a, like a Stone Blade type of thing or hmm. yeah I mean just volcanic islands in general are really useful because you know they go into Patriot they go into Blue Red Delver. They go into Grixis. They go into Sneak and Show. They go into Omni Show. Volcanic Islands really just probably the the most versatile dual land in Legacy right now. Probably even more so than Underground Sea. Like so, like back like back in the like if you if you kind of like if you take the same thing to modern like right now the colors to get into are Grixis. But back 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 in the days it used to be uh, blue white red because like you could either play. Um, 
like you could play Geist or you could play um, Control or you could play. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of Celestial Colony that I remember too when I was yeah exactly and like yeah. you could play like the uh, Splinter Twin or Kiki with Kiki Jiki Restoration Angel like those type of things mm-hmm. you know like in those colors there was like a lot of different builds that you could have that like. You got your lands, then you can change your uh, your strategy for to week. Try different things, and I find that like the um, like dredge is the basic opposite of that, basically. Because like if you're buying cards for dredge, all you can play is dredge, and like when you're tired of playing dredge, then like you just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> So, uh, Frankie, tell us how you really feel about Dredge. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, those decks are fun, like, those decks are fun to play, but, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage someone who's starting out to get into those decks. Like, me, I have all the cards, so if I feel like playing Dredge, I can play it, and it's, it's not a problem, but. Like it's not like if if all I could play was dredge, my life would be pretty miserable. You, know? <laughs> you just so, one day you'd wake up and you'd be like, "Where has my life gone?" <laughs> so you you wouldn't like you don't Merfolk? you don't want to be that guy like but Murf <laughs> like Murfolk Murfolk's pretty good because like it it lets you like it lets you build towards the blue deck because like you get the force of wills like the wastelands are also very useful like. And then, like, you start getting, like, you, after that, you can start getting, like, a few duels, your fetch lands, and, like, you can, yeah, you can turn into something else, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it was also important is that it's a competitive deck. You know, Merfolk won the Legacy Tournament I was at last night. So you can get some wins in, you can get some store credit under your belt, and it just makes picking up those duels that much easier. Yeah. Well, like, let me, let me ask you, like, was, wasn't there a time where, more merfolk when like it wasn't like played as much but now it's it's back oh, basically yeah i mean merfolk goes through its its dips and rises i mean i remember when i first got into legacy back in like 2000 um merfolk was like the joke deck it was you know the deck that people put together when they didn't know what else to put together and it wasn't very good and you know just over the years printing more and more lords it just turned into a powerhouse deck and then right right when uh, Delver started getting printed, uh, Merfolk was doing really well with all the blue decks. And for a time, Merfolk was so popular, it was making Zoo an actual meta game powerhouse, which you know should really never happen <laughs> if you think about it. But I did enjoy I did enjoy it when Zoo was one of the best decks in the format because of all the Merfolk decks running around. Oh, that's uh, my like uh, my one of my best friends. Who also like he he like these days he's writing uh, articles every week on uh, Man of the Prime, so you can check him out. Vincent Who is it? Vincent Thibault. Nice. Uh, he was once on the Canadian team at Worlds uh, back in the days, <laughs> but like he won he won uh, a PPTQ playing Merfolk recently. Sweet. I hear it's much more of a deck in modern too. Like it's pretty. Yeah, modern. yeah, and. That's that's one of the upside of it that if you build legacy Merfolk, you can also play in modern. Yeah, and it's it's pretty much the same core of cards. 
Yeah, you're just going to switch out some of the... Not even. You don't even need to switch out the dual lands. What am I talking about? <laughs> no, you, like, yeah, you could replace uh, Wasteland, and if you wanted to start playing Cavern of Souls, and I, I was actually... What did I do? I took out, like, Standstill and Force of Will, and I put in Pact of Negation and Trick Bind. <laughs> tricky, tricky. Yeah, I mean, I, I could I could use Pact of Negation and Trick Bind like Force of Will, mm-hmm. or late game, I could actually use Pact of Negation and Trick Bind somebody's fetch. Yeah. Because nobody in modern expects that. Nope. <laughs> what like one of the nice cards that just came out is the the new Merfolk that uh, bounces a tap creature. Oh yeah, Harbinger of the Tides. Yeah. Yeah, like I that went that went straight into the main deck. Yeah, I feel it's much better in modern because modern runs the Marrow Regery, and that just combos so well with Marrow Regery. Yeah, that and also uh, like with. With the Aether Vial, it's, it's, it's very good as well, you know? Yeah, if somebody finally flipped their Delver, just bounce it back in the hand and let them work at that all over again. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> usually, but, like, the thing is, like, usually, like, if you want to play it, like, instant speed, like, you have mm. to pay four, but with the Vial, like, you kind of, like... <laughs> He's always instant speed. Yeah, yeah, you, you cheat on that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think Merfolk's a uh, a cool deck to get start off with. But so you would do it's, bugs. It's also it's also a player in uh, in uh, vintage. Yeah, it's it is the deck across all formats. <laughs> Actually, uh, it was even yeah, pretty much yeah. in standard for a while with uh, mono blue devotion. That was probably as close as standard sees to a Merfolk deck. Yeah, that's true. Well, since what Lorwyn? That must have been a Merfolk deck in Lorwyn. Was there? There, was it, there, folk, wasn't, there wasn't like there was one, but not that much because it got overshadowed by the fairies. That basically by fairies. Oh, okay, okay, I see. All right. Well, there was a couple other questions. It was like it friends. was more of a fringe deck. Like some guys were were running it, but it, it wasn't as good as fairies. Yeah. Hmm. So I was looking for some questions for you earlier, Frankie, and I got a couple. Um. There was uh, so accident aside, would you say it was worth driving to Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah, like uh, it was like besides, like the thing is, like the trip didn't really get ruined because, like, on Saturday we didn't have any plans, so like mm-hmm. we just got there like a little bit later, and like, I like, guess we're other... getting hit by a Russian guy today. <laughs> Those yeah, are exactly. our plans. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, the the thing that worried me was that, like, when we parked the car, when we got to Philly, that, like, some of the lights weren't closing, because, like, the trunk was, like, was closed, but, like, there's some, like, oh, it like was a really... Oh, the lights go out? Yeah, yeah, the lights wouldn't go off, but, like, it, like, uh, it turns out, like, there's, like, the, like... Modern cars, like, there's a safety, basically. It's like after 40 minutes, everything shuts off, you know, so that it's not going to drain your battery. Yeah. Right. So uh, that, like, at least that, like, that was, like, the the last of the concern, like, once we got back on the road. And then when that didn't prove to be an issue, then, like, we were fine. But, uh, yeah, like, after that, we hung out, like, with... Uh, with Sig- Slick Jagger, and uh, we uh, we met like some of the people we know from Twitter, um, Inky Scholar, and uh, Real Evil Genius, and mm-hmm. it was it w- it was cool. And uh, the tournament, uh, like I I had fun playing Vintage. It's uh, 
Like it's the second year I go, so uh, I'm uh, I'm getting uh, experience. I'm leveling up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was I was gonna see if you guys wanted to relay over on your way down, but I'm like, oh, you're going through New York. You're not even close to Central Mass. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. going next year. Next year is definitely a go for me. I had so much fun there. Like we wanted, like we have a friend that like uh, that's in uh, Saratoga Springs, mm-hmm. and like we wanted to meet with him. But the thing is, like, our like we had to we had to take a train into New York, and we had to like get there for like for seven thirty or something. Yeah. And like, and we, when we got to the border, it took like, it took an hour for us to basically cross the border. Yeah, why is the border to Canada so strict? It was the border to the US, by the way, but like, it was... I guess that the the same like, uh, please step out of the car, sir. (laughs) (laughs) But like, basically the same thing happened when we came back, so, uh, I don't know. It's just like uh, it's just slow. Lots Maybe. of traffic and uh, yeah. I remember last time I went to Canada, we got uh, stuck at the border coming back to the U.S. for six hours hmm. because we're literally in line for the border patrol. And we're like, all right, everyone, get your passports ready. Let's make this quick. And one of the girls I was with just goes, "Oh, I don't have a passport." What? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And of course, in the Canadian side, they let her through. Like, they didn't even check our passports on the Canadian side. So it didn't come up go- then. But then coming back into the U.S., we're like, yes, we would like to enter your country, please. We promise we're citizens. <laughs> she just did not have the passport and just, she just didn't think it would be a big deal. <laughs> so we were at the, at the border for about six hours while I got paperwork straightened out. You uh, Americans, like, you're too used to rule the world, you know, so, like, you don't <laughs> think about those things. Jerry's <laughs> at the border. Don't you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know me? <laughs> so, oh, now, now, Frankie, do you know who John Celso is? Uh, curiosity? I have a vague uh, idea. Right, I, yeah, so he, I, know, to... I know of him. Okay. <laughs> Well, so there's this thing where, like, uh, Patrick and Jerry have played, and Pat just beats Jerry all the fucking time. Two times. So, so, two times. So, I just want to point out all the fucking time is two times. Also, <laughs> oh, I don't propagate this thing. <laughs> so, so, Celso is actually curious, Frankie. Who would you pick in a legacy match, Pat or Jerry, and why would you pick Pat? <laughs> uh, it's okay. I have thick skin, Frankie. Go ahead. No, I, I, I'd go. I'd go for the underdog, man. <laughs> Jerry's the underdog. I'm technically yeah. the underdog, so yeah, I'll take that endorsement. <laughs> oh, and he, he's man. he's also wondering if you still refuse to scoop your mom at the top eight. Yeah, well, that I already covered. <laughs> yeah, that's also it's a done subject. Don't bring no, it up. No change there. No changes. <laughs> Oh, uh, wow! Got well, any, any other questions on tap from the uh, Facebook group? No, just people excited to hear you, Frankie. Yeah, I like how half the uh, half the uh, we asked for questions and half the posts were "Yay, Frankie!" <laughs> like, that's not a question, guys. Yeah, <laughs> please. I can. 
I can like uh I can tell I can speak uh, talk a little bit more about uh, my vintage. Like there's like there was like a funny thing that happened in the in the tournament. And Yeah, what was it? Like basically like I was like when I started kind of like building my deck um for the tournament like I was looking I was like reading articles and like um what I wanted to do like there's like uh like in vintage like uh there's there's what they call the gush engine you know where you run gush and mm-hmm. like you use that to kind of like draw into your um into your uh, your combo basically <laughs> so I, at first I was um at first I was trying that and uh, like the the idea was like to use that to draw cards and like uh, and uh, but like it wasn't like and also like the deck also runs um, dig dig through dig through time. Is gush restricted in vintage? No, no, it's it's not. So you can have four of those and the uh, same thing for dig through times. So like well, basically also- like. Like basically you play all the like one mana restricted cards. You can run four preordains, uh you can run four gush and four dig through times. And like I was kinda like trying to make that work. But like gush like it wasn't it wasn't really working because like against the um against the 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 Mishra workshop decks like if you bounce your own land to your to your hand, like you're setting yourself like back so much, you know it's you'll never cast another spell in the game if you do it, you know. So what I figured instead is I'll I'll run like um, a heavy discard package to just like tear away their hand and then like land the um, the oath of druid like uncontested basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically, I ran I ran two duress, two thoughtsies, uh, and uh, one cabal therapy. And like the cabal therapy looks a little bit weird, but the thing is, like when you play Ulta Druid, you're gonna mill your deck, you know. And like sometimes, if you're a creature, like you you got like I got three creatures in my deck. Sometimes I'll draw one. Then I'll mill one, and then like if the second one is the last card of your deck, like you're gonna be, uh, <laughs> like you might be screwed a little bit. Yeah, I remember watching your game and getting real nervous because your opponent was just keep playing creatures, and I think you got down to like ten or twelve cards left in your deck. Like <laughs> there was there was one time that I milled myself, and I was down to like the. Like the second, like my creature was the second to last card. <laughs> oh man! And then, like, what I ended up doing is that I flash back Cabal Therapy because, like, I have Cabal Therapy in my deck for that exact situation, and I had to flash back the Cabal Therapy. Uh, like, I I think I sacked the Runescar Demon. And like I forced myself to discard the Emrakul that I had drawn, <laughs> yeah, and then I was shuffle. able to reshuffle the deck and then get back. Like on the next turn, the Emrakul came back into play, you know. So it was like, 
Like, I put that in the deck. Like, I didn't know if I would need to use that trick, but, like... <laughs> it came up a lot? It No, it came up once. It came up once, and when it did, like, uh, if, if, if I didn't have that, I would have been dead. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, because even if it's the last card in your deck, you can still draw it and cast it, or, you know, unless you don't have black mana anymore, I guess that's the only time. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's a like, nice what little can, trick. What can happen is that, like, you, like, the, when, also it's like, the, if the Emmer cools into play, you can sack it to cast the Cabal Therapy. Right. Like in this case, I had it in my hand, so I had to kind of like cast it on me. Mm-hmm. Like if if it got if it got countered, I would have been screwed. Yeah. But like if you have the Emrakul into play, it's like it doesn't even need to resolve. It, you just need to be able to sack the Emrakul, and then everything will will shuffle shuffle back in the library. But that was like an a little interesting. Uh, thing that came up. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, if you, if you know anything about Tin Fins, too, they use that trick in Tin Fins to generate infinite mana, where they just cycle through the deck with Grizzlebrand, gaining life, paying life, drawing cards, using Cabal Therapy, Emrakul to just recycle, and playing Lotus Petal after Lotus Petal after Lotus Petal to generate enough mana to then hardcast uh, hard uh, Emrakul. Uh, so that it's always a nice little trick you can use with Cabal Therapy and Emrakul to just recycle your deck. But yeah, my good good stuff. Um, it's getting a little late over here. Should we uh, get into top eight? Yeah. All right. So we gonna do scoops? I gotta get to bed soon. Yeah, I know. Working men. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do some, let's do some scoops in a top eight. What do you think? What do you think, Adrian? Well, it's time with me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, if you want, I don't know, you want to go last, I don't care. Uh, I'm, I'm just scooping the top eight. Fucking Frankie and KYT, and KYT better get Frankie on fucking crazy talk. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I really, I fucking love to hear, like, KYT, you and Medina. Like, this, um, yeah. So, uh, maybe I should even start a petition for that shit. I don't know. I don't know what the roster actually looks like already, but I'm, 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 I'm hoping you're involved with it because uh, missed that shit. Um, so that and uh, and Celso and hopefully either I gotta try to hopefully Celso is either gonna let me use uh, Metalworker or uh, Jerry might let me use Merfolk for a little bit. Yeah, let me know. I'll sleeve it up for you. And uh, Lita and every motherfucker that's been fucking helping me fi- try to figure out how to buy a house. <laughs> Because there's a lot of shit that I just don't know, and that's that's actually uh, good out of me for now. What about I? I want to hear from Frankie more. Who well, who you want to scoop in the top eight, Frankie? Man, I like I'm the guy who doesn't scoop anyone in the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, then who do you want to dream crush? <laughs> uh, no, I'll I'll, uh, I'll scoop uh, I'll scoop Slick Jagger and Jr. Who were. Uh, Gracious enough to host us uh, as we were as we came down from Eternal Weekend. Mm. Those guys are cool, and uh, we had a great time with them. Yeah, those guys are pretty cool. I've never had the pleasure of meeting them in person, but I did a couple drafts with them on Magic Online, and we hung out on Skype. But uh, those guys are pretty cool. Like Slick is from Philly, so if you uh, if you go back uh, next year, um, we'll 
you can uh, like we can all hang out basically. Yeah, I definitely want to see more people. It was such a whirlwind playing all day Saturday and then drafting Sunday that I I didn't get enough networking time in. <laughs> Even though uh, the buddies I was with are and Dan were annoyed at me because they said I was just running around the site networking with everyone. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, but it was definitely a good time, and there's always going to be more people than you have time to meet down there. But that's why we keep going back. <laughs> that's a good thing with Magic. There's always like another event, another weekend that you can catch up. Yeah. So what about Jerry? Who are you scooping into top eight? I mean, obviously Frankie. It was a pleasure meeting you in person down in Eternal Weekend. It's even even better getting you on the cast tonight. Always a uh, pleasure to have you on, man. I was like, I, I really enjoyed, like, you were also one of my, like, of the people I met, like, there was kind of like, uh, like, you were in a, like, we had a good conversation, it was friendly, it was, uh, I was, uh, I was very uh, pleased with, uh, yes, I passed the test, yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, I'm in, yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was great. Like sometimes, you. sometimes you meet people and like it can be like a little awkward and like you <laughs> don't know really what to say. But like with, with you, it was like very, very smooth. And uh, I look, uh, I look forward to our next uh, meeting. Yeah, yeah. I was. What, what, what was the recent thing? Did, wasn't it just GP Montreal or GP Toronto? What was it that you guys were setting up a bunch of stuff up there for, Frankie? Like there was like there like. The thing is, like, this year GP Montreal was on uh, like Fourth uh, of July, basically. So like there, that's what it was. There wasn't like a lot of people that could come in because like it's a holiday and like a lot of people <laughs> like to spend that time with their family. So this year it wasn't too big, but uh, there's gonna be another one next year in Montreal. So, and I, yeah, I, I think I, it's in the summer too. So if if you if you guys want to come, we'll take you to the nice. Um, Poutine restaurants. Yeah, nice poutine or like whatever you want to try. St. Catherine Street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's basically my my only experience with Montreal in the four times I've been. All four times I don't think we left St. Catherine Street. But that Is was that like the red light district. That's what I was That's when I was a younger man. <laughs> Uh, that yeah, it was it was. Did, did you swoon them with the jazz guitar, Jerry? I did, I did. Those Canadian women, they they love the jazz guitar. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, what what about Pat? Who are you scooping? Uh, I got I got a few scoops this week. Uh, first, Frankie, thanks for coming on, man. It was good to talk to you. Um, uh, wanted to scoop in Alan. He's a listener of the podcast. He actually sent us a. Uh, Wicked nice email that had me really smiling and and happy to happy to you know hear from him and uh, I'm not gonna read it because I don't know if I don't know if I should read it but um, I, I know I was gonna read it but I'm like man it is getting late yeah. oh yeah oh yeah guys if if you send us stuff let us know if you want it to be shared or not because yeah. we don't uh, accidentally share things that yeah exactly don't. like if if Alan wants me to share it I will he just just shoot us an email I'll be happy to read it but um I don't want to do it without you know talking to him first. Um, and then I want to scoop in, uh, Celso for just continuously giving, uh, Jerry space. It's just so funny. I don't have to talk shit about it. It's just, uh, yeah, I love that it's also, it's like rumored he's my alter ego. So it's yeah. almost like I'm just like a masochist that just beats me. <laughs> yeah, it's some really twisted shit. Um, and then, uh, another scoop into Tony at G2 Games. Again, we, you know, we're still doing the, uh, the charity drive, uh, with the commons and uncommons. If you guys have them, send them in. Um, 
uh, you know, he's he's taking them from us, turning them into cash so we can get them donated to uh, MTG Cast. And uh, um, so, what's the next one we're doing? Is it St. Jude's? St. Jude Children's Hospital. Yep. We're starting that now, right? Yep. Yeah, we're gonna start that when the yeah when the Crucible of Worlds match yep. closed. That's right. So, yep. so yeah, and that's right. The, so the Crucible of Worlds auction closed too. Nice. Yeah. Um. And we have a revised pack as the next uh, auction. Uh, and actually, I also have a double-sided Deathrite Shaman Tolarian Academy binder that we can give away as well. Nice. And you, you're going to do the yep. fucking auction with the Eternal Witness playmat, right? Uh, oh, yeah, we also have the Eternal Witness. Well, we're doing the auction for that, right? We're not doing the yeah. raffle. Right, but you're going to handle that, right? Uh, am I? Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put that up with a Facebook group. You, gonna, news to me, but yeah. okay. <laughs> well, no, you, you said before you're going to do that as the open auction. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. We, we can definitely do that. So we can do the Eternal Witness, and as far as prize payouts left, we have the dual Deathrite Shaman Tolarian Academy binder that was given out at Eternal Weekend, and also a brand spanking new sealed pack of Revise. Hey. So hopefully a listener can crack a dual land. Oh, yeah. Because Jerry didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Damn that, means, that means you're one pack closer to getting that duel. Exactly. I, I got I got another one of the bad packs out of the way for you guys. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Tony and G2 Games, and then the last one uh, to my oldest son, Liam. He just went to his first day of uh, pre-K today, so that was pretty exciting. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, so I want to scoop him in the top eight for being being a little man, and uh, he it was a great time to, to drop him off and pick him up today, so... Hmm. Put him in the top eight, a little sappy, and then uh, that's all I got tonight, guys. Awesome. Well, always a pleasure, Frankie. You're always welcome on the cast. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, I, I'll I'll come back uh, when uh, I I have more stories to tell for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and then the, the last little bit. Where can, where can everybody find you, Frankie? Uh, you can find me at Live with Frank on uh, Twitter, basically. And uh, that's that's the easiest way to reach me. <laughs> and on any back episode of Crazy Talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, There's a good archive there. <laughs> yep. And and hopefully on any future episode of Crazy Talk. <laughs> Agent, did you listen to the latest A Team? Uh, KYT broke out the Crazy Talk voice. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> Adrian sensed it. He just he just knew. <laughs> he felt it he, a mile if, off. <laughs> if, if he murmurs it in his sleep, I wake up. <laughs> Dear God. Oh man. I got I I got a little bit of uh, inside information apparently um, there was an offer from Wizard to the uh, the guy who organizes the GPs in Montreal Okay. and he yeah. was offered a legacy GP oh really? cut the shit oh alright but he turned it in. down he turned it down oh, oh. And it's gonna be sealed instead. Oh, I oh, was heartbreak. when I heard when I heard this, man. These are rumors, okay? But like when I heard this, I I died inside, man. <laughs> oh, well, now now I got two petitions going. Yeah. Oh, that would have been awesome. I would have loved to go to Montreal for a for a legacy. Yeah, a legacy GP in Montreal would have been amazing, I think. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, like uh, the TO didn't. Didn't see the potential, I guess. 
Well, I guess it could be done like all the rest of the GPs, and it could be like, you know, GP Omaha held in Montreal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just don't understand. Like, TOs think there's no money in Legacy, but then Legacy GPs are consistently some of the highest uh, attending GPs around. Yep. Like, that draw international players. Yeah. Like, you don't have, you know, people from Germany and France and Japan flying in. Play fucking sealed. Yeah. Man, man they, they're like. They could have them in, like, Ohio, and, like, a ton of people will go. Like, I mean, what the fuck, man? Jerry and I are going to one in Ohio, just for that reason. Yeah, we are. (laughs) They're having one in Ohio. Exactly, man. If it drives traffic to Ohio, imagine if you had it in a decent city like Montreal. It'd be insane, man. When I went down to New Jersey, I was meeting people from Brazil. Yeah. That's a fucking hike. That's awesome. Yeah, they're not driving it. That's for sure. All right, so second petition started. All right. <laughs> All right, on that note, I'm, i got to get out of here, guys. And, uh, Play us out with some sweet tears. <laughs> Go ahead. Fresh out the gate again, time to raise the stakes again. Fat my plate again. Y'all cats know we always play to win. GNG to the stars, son. Haters took the shit too far, son. So that's all for you. I'm wiping out your whole team. Out, splatter your dreams with lyrics to shatter your schemes. The badder you seem, the more lies you tell. The more lies you sound. Now by surprise, you fell into my death trap, right into my clutches. Stupid, you know the guard must bless every single mic he touches. I've suffered just so I could return harder. Wanna be the shit starter? Fuck around, make you. I'm harder, I'll make you famous, turn around and make you nameless, cause you never understood how vital to me this rap game is, save it and hold that, you catch a hot one, rise to chase a fake nigga down soon as I spot one, clip, you wanna mess with this, gangstar, one of the best yet, nice like that, it's all good, in this business of rap, full clip, you wanna mess with this, gangstar, one of the best yet, so if you stand in my way, I'ma have to spray. Learn that if you come against me, son, you're gonna have to pray. Since back in the day, I held the weight and kept my head up. They wanna see the guard catch a L, it's all a setup. I give no man a thing power over me. Why these niggas so jealous and looking sour over me? I'm Boulder G, I'm like impossible to stop. I'm like that nigga in the ring with you, impossible to drop. I'm like two magazines fully loaded to your one. Plus, I ain't gonna quit spitting till you're done. Plus, more than ever, I got my whole shit together More than a decade of hits That'll live forever Catch a rep of my name You're bound to fry Know how many niggas that I know That's down to die We never fail And we ain't never been frail You niggas talk crime But you scared of jail Full clip You wanna mess with this Gangstar One of the best yet I'm nice like It's all good In this business for real Full clip You wanna mess with this Gangstar One of the best yet Attacking like a slick Apache, lyrics are trigger happy, blowing back your wig piece just for the way you're looking at me. Cock back, blow, I hit you up right now. I don't know why so many of y'all wanna be thugs anyhow. Face the consequence of your childish nonsense. I can make your head explode just by my lyrical content. Get you in my scope and metaphorically snipe you. I never liked you. I gasp that ass and then ignite you. The flamethrower, make your peeps afraid to know you. How many times I told you? Play your position, small soldier. My heart is colder. Makes me wanna resort to violence. Stop beating me in the head, son. Nah, I'm not buying it. I'm ready to blast. Ready to surpass and harass. I'm ready to flip. Yeah, I'm ready to dip with all the cash. I hold my chrome steady with a tight grip. So watch it home already, cause this one might hit. Full clip. You wanna mess with this? Hands off. One of the best yet. I'm 